Good morning and welcome to another episode of Smashy Business. I'm Lubna Hamdan. And I'm Richard Fitzgerald. And we got into a little bit of trouble this weekend. What were you up to, Lubna? <laughs> I was just um, up to up to no good. No, I'm kidding. Uh, someone else was up to no good, oh, yeah. actually. Uh, we had a Dubai billionaire that was arrested on charges of fraud and crimes against um, the UAE. Um, should we get into that? Uh, yeah, and then there's two more stories. One two about... more stories. So um, let's talk about Replit CEO Amjad Masad. Everyone is talking about his tweet. Um, he said a consistent theme in conversation with Arabs in Dubai this week is the situation in Gaza. We'll get into that. And then no Uber pickups and everything else you need to know about the Qatar Web Summit. Uh, we're flying to that shortly, so we're in a hurry. Yeah, we're in a rush, but <laughs> we have a nice guest coming up after our little chat and those stories. We've yes, got a good guest, right? yes, he's the founder of Walk Boys. Uh, you've either heard of them, uh, you've seen them around, or I you've mean, eaten their food, <laughs> their food. exactly. Uh, so coming up ne- next, uh, stay tuned for that. He talks about how important uh, the franchise business is. He's franchised the homegrown local brand Walk Boys all around the world. Uh, so stay, t- stay tuned for that. Yeah, so the, it was a scoop really, Lubna, wasn't it? Like, I think there's interesting things here. So when Smashy Business broke this story, people were like, is it true, is it true? But what happens is, is that, you know, the, the communications departments of the state entities, whether it's the RTA or the Dubai police, are really good at managing comms. And, you know, you as a good journalist receive this information, fact check it, put it out. And, you know, there's nothing illegal, there's nothing defamatory. It's just people are just unused. And surprised. I was surprised personally, and you can go into the details of the story, the reaction and how famous he is. Yeah. You know, from our point of view, we've obviously had Mavinder on the show and he's a nice gentleman. I met him at dinner many times. He's obviously a hard worker uh, over the years. You know, uh, you know, this this is uh, not a not the highest point of anyone's career, but I think. Um, you know, what he preaches and what he talks about is hard work, you know, in Kuwait and in, in India. And but where he's reached fame on Love in Dubai in over the years is the number plate purchases. Yeah. And the reason he talks about that is because he, you know, the 15, 20, 50 million dirhams number plate purchases, it goes for a good cause as well. Mm-hmm, the, mm-hmm. These, the, these are run by the state and the state use these funds for charities. Absolutely. And I think that's wonderful that the state does that. <laughs> but, um, you know, why would you buy a plate number that's $9 million? Uh, is it really because you want to give to charity or is it because, let's be honest, right? If you buy a plate number that's, uh, you know, number five, uh, it says that you know maybe you didn't have a lot of money growing up, and now you you know you've been working hard or doing other things, and you want to put it out there that hey, I finally made it. Let let you know. Let's not kid ourselves here. Like you know, I've interviewed a lot of people who came from nothing. Like Flavio Briatore is one of them. They have this kind of he flexes too inferiority <laughs> he made, complex, he right? <laughs> I mean, hey, dating Naomi Campbell and all those supermodels. <laughs> So anyways, let's get into the story a little bit because it gets interesting, right? It's kind of a classic, um, you know, he, he's been accused of several things. There are allegations of money laundry. Uh, money laundry is what, I mean, he started in uh, car, car parts, right? Spare parts, automotive spare parts in Kuwait. He's Indian. He's not Emirati, by the way. There's a lot of speculation about that on social media. People are wondering uh, where he's from. So he's not Emirati. He actually doesn't have the Kuwaiti passport, according to our sources. Um, he started in Kuwait um, and 
some of his favorite restaurants, he was, you know, being seen out in Avli and LPM, and he was always with, this is a this is an interesting bit that not a lot of people know, wasn't mentioned in the story. He always used to walk around with Emirati bodyguards uh, whenever he used to go to Avli or LPM or DIFC, and that pissed off a lot of people. Um, so that's the problem, isn't it? It's a classic 101 of, you know, alleged money laundry is people get too greedy, the bookkeepers get yeah, too greedy. I think it's alleged. I think we have to be caveat about this is that, like, you know, why are we breaking this story? I'm trying to protect us a bit here. But yeah, why are we sure. breaking the story is because it's news and it's important. And last week, the Bloomberg reported that UAE was taken off the money laundering watch list, that right. list. And, you know, mm. th- th- it is good that the, the story has come out and that, you know, hopefully he gets cleared of all charges. Hopefully he gets back to doing what he was doing and that this misunderstanding of the 100 million dirhams that's owed to the bank is cleared up. Like, I, I, I want these people to be successful and to be celebrated. And if there are things where breaches are done due to regulation, that means the UAE is getting stricter so more people can be safe with their funds here, then we all, we're all better off. Exactly, exactly. I think the UAE is doing the, the absolute correct thing by, by doing this, you know. And I don't think he's going he's gonna to serve time, too much time at least. I, I do think he'll be out uh, I do think he'll be out soon. Because he's innocent. Um, hey, innocent yeah. un- until proven guilty. Until guilty. You know yeah. what I mean? But, you know, the so. fact was that there was an arrest that did take place. And, uh, you know, the UAE is looking into, you know, and it's, you know, a lot of people say, why aren't there open and free charities in the UAE? It's mm. because they were abused in the past mm. for money laundering and things like yep. that. And, you know, we saw stories in Saudi recently where there was other corruption and other. Uh, you know, incidences of misappropriation of funds yeah. that are outed. And I think the more of that, the better, whether it's... And, and I think that's where media organizations and state departments and media offices working in tandem, which they're doing a lot more of now, yeah, absolutely. will really help. And apparently he was spreading misinformation about him being involved with a casino opening in one of his buildings in, in Bersha. So that's some, some of the inside information that you can listen to exclusively here on Smashy Business, the, the, the morning show. Um, and, you know, it's important for, for Dubai. You know, there are rumors about a casino opening. There hasn't been anything official out. So they are being careful with that. So, so you know, kudos to, to the authorities. Um, shall we move on? Because I feel like uh, Richard, you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna kick me out of this. <laughs> Not at all. Um, <laughs> moving someone on to <laughs> someone else might. Yeah, <laughs> good thing I'm headed to the airport then. Um, <laughs> so Replit's um, CEO Amjad Masad um, tweeted something that caught everyone's attention. Um, he said a consistent theme in conversation with Arabs in Dubai this week. Um, has changed my views on the West. He said, the situation in Gaza changed my view of the West. That's what a lot of people are telling him. Um, He's saying, these are people who believed in liberal ideals and now feel it's all a lie because universal rights don't seem so universal anymore. Um, it's quite a big deal when the CEO of a company like uh, Replit, uh, you know, which transforms co- deal, coding right? like, into seamless clo- Yeah, just the, to explain what to people. They do? Sorry. Um, so they transform coding into seamless, uh, into a seamless experience with uh, a browser-based platform, enabling instant coding and sharing globally. Just and his origin is Amjad. Amjad, I, uh, Amjad is, I think, Lebanese, I believe. And he's if based I'm not mistaken. in. Uh, he's based in the U.S., if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so he's in town. Well done to the step conference people who mm-hmm. had him on mm-hmm. stage last week. I missed that talk. And then now he's speaking in Qatar at uh, the opening ceremony 
of the much-anticipated first web summit in the Middle East is happening yeah. tonight in yeah. Qatar. Lubna and I are attending, and he'll be on stage there for the event next week. And I think it's just, you know, we saw this a little bit, Lubna, last week, last year when, uh, you know, some of the U.S. Sorry, had... I'm, I'm not. I'm going to interrupt you. He's yeah. Jordanian-American. He's Jordanian-American, okay. just so we get the facts right. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. Thanks. And uh, so we'll know a lot more about his company. He's doing good PR. But, we're, we're, yeah. but you know, I, I don't think Repla is, a, you know, known, uh, at least to me, as an offering. I, I'm not using it to build some of my websites or whatever yet, but I might now. But uh, so he... Um, But my point basically is that we're seeing this when people come to the region, right? There was that uh, Jason Kalkakis uh, guy who's very well-renowned investor in the U.S. He's host of a major podcast. And yeah. the, the sentiment that came from him in Abu Dhabi last year about the investment, and many people are really seeing it. Like, I think I, I look back five or ten years and... It was the lifestyle journalists of these newspapers that were coming here and kind of going, oh, it's not, it's different, right? Yeah. And it, some some sort of painted a, a bad brush of Conquered Journal. And others went, like, hang on, there's actually good food here. And hang on, it's, it is a melting pot of cultures and they're doing something different. And now we're seeing it from a, a, a tech world, an investment world. And we see people who go to FII in Saudi. And I think, you know, this is a five-year deal that's happening in Web Summit in Qatar under the Government Communication Office. And Web Summit founded... In Ireland in 2010 by Paddy Cosgrove and uh, you know it's expanded to Lisbon it's in Rio uh, they've had Collison summit in uh, Canada they've had a uh, summit in Asia and now for the first time it's in this region and we, we'll have more and more of people like this CEOs of global tech American companies coming and going oh Uh, the tech world but what he's also saying and the main point of the tweet is that hang on like you know I'm going to paraphrase here we're being lied to yeah right? the Americans exactly. are being lied to again mm -hmm. <laughs> right like mm -hmm. Vietnam yeah. Afghanistan again you yeah. know they're being lied yeah. to and yeah. uh, and you know we spoke about this in the show already that like you know journalists are starting to point it out in the US and now we're seeing tech founders speak up and remember when the tech founders originally spoke up In September, in October, they got cancelled. Yeah, big exactly. time. And exactly. now some of them are going. Hang on, like there's, you know, this is not, this is not right. Like the Western views of this stuff isn't in tune with what's happening on the ground. And how many of us can you cancel? How many of them can you cancel, really? Mm. Right? If everyone stood up together for this. Um, yeah, but I, I, yeah, I think though it's just it's just the understanding the views. Like I try and talk to some people about the feeling on the ground in these countries, and they. It's like you're talking to, it's like you're talking a different language. Yeah. If you speak yeah. to people in the US, like, so I don't bother, I don't waste my time. Yeah. You know, I focus on this region. Luckily, we don't have foreign investors or whatever. But to, but to explain to people that, like, your view isn't a global view uh, when they're, they're high and mighty in the US, like, they yeah. just don't understand. No, they don't. And they, they've looked down on this region for a long time. And I think that's really changing. And they're now looking, you know, all the crypto guys, all the AI guys, they, they want the money from this region, right? And I think someone, I, I can't believe who it was. I, I think it was Fadi Randur, who, who is going to be at the Web Summit as well. He said... Um, People just wanted to take this money, but you can't just take this money on your own terms. If you want to take this money, you better have some respect for this region. Yeah. So, no, I, I love the shift that's that's happening. Uh, a little bit about the Web Summit. Uh, Queen Rania of Jordan is, is a speaker. Just announced a speaker, which is amazing. Just announced, right? yeah, yeah, exactly. And, uh, of course, the Qatari Prime Minister, Sheikh Mohammed bin Abdulrahman bin Jassim Thani. Uh, we've got author and presenter Trevor Noah. Uh, and then replets uh, Amjad Masad uh, and Fadi Ghandur, of course, a capital. Uh, one of the capital managing partner. Some big media guys as well who I'm looking forward 
enjoy to listen to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> who, who are you looking at? Is there anyone in particular? There's a panel with like a guy called, I must get his name right, Michael Kassen, and he runs a media link company in the US, and it's just known as the Real Connector Company. Mm. Uh, he hosts all the big parties, all the events, and he's on stage with, I think, the founder of Roku, one of the, or Hulu, one of the streaming services. So it's nice. a proper, you know, geeky podcasty thing that I'd normally listen to. Yeah. So I can't wait for that one. Okay, cool. <laughs> I love that you're excited about that. I'm excited about Fadih and Duit, gosh. Um, okay, so one more interesting thing, guys. If you are going to the Qatar Web Summit, um, not sure if any uh, anyone has picked up on this, but uh, we wrote a story about it. Uber has uh, actually tempor- temporarily suspended all pickup requests from the Hamad International Airport. It started in October last year. Uh, you know, the Ministry of Transport wants to halt all riding ride-hailing services at the airport. It's pushing its local taxi company, uh, Karua, for airport pickups. Uh, It's great. The service offers card payments, but users have complained that it's usually only cash payments, so be prepared if you're going to the Web Summit. Yeah, that's a good point. So, yeah. so it's a local service is available, but you know what? What often happens? So I've been in and out of Qatar quite rec- a bit lately, and you know, at the start when you go to a country in the region, especially for me who doesn't who doesn't speak well uh, Arabic, I kind of go for the Ubers and Kareems that I'm safe with. Yeah. Uh, but in Dubai, you don't necessarily do that because the taxi service system is quite good. Yeah. Uh, so and you can pay with card and everything like that. But in Saudi, I, like I can't pay with card. I can't speak to the driver. I can't tell him where I'm going. You yeah. know. So yeah. Yeah. it becomes an issue. You have you get off the plane. You're in a rush. You have to go get cash. So luckily, I'm there. Yeah. And I can translate. Yeah. <laughs> well, for Qatar, yeah. But of late in Qatar, the system has got better with the. with the official government taxi service. And now you've got uh, this new service as well, uh, which is really useful. But you know, it also goes to show that like, going back to Uber, right? right? How Travis Connolly and how they grew into different cities and regulation, like there's many times where, I think in Abu Dhabi for a while, they weren't available. Like there's yeah. many times, right? Like there was many times where cars go off the grid and on the grid, yeah. car hailing services because of regulation, because of disputes, because of, things like that. It just shows how hard it is to do market entry and in a way how local companies do in some way have an upper hand, whether they're government investment or founders or startups like this. You know, we talk often about Kareem and Uber and Souk and Amazon, but like you do have a little bit of leverage being uh, being in touch, being based on the ground and Absolutely. not being an American company trying to sort of zero sum game. Each yeah, 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 and I remember in London where you know the, there were black these cabs, uh, yeah. the, the black cabs are really pissed off at, at Uber and stuff. So yeah. it's difficult, but it's good to see you know it's good to see Qatar pushing uh, the the local taxi um, service as well. Yeah. yeah, but just one last thing on the kind of web summit and the topic that we're talking about uh, is that yeah uh, uh, that the promise of the web summit right is that these places become known as. cities that attract founders and startup and investment to live in you know when they moved out of dublin to lisbon lisbon was a sleepy type european city yeah and now it's a hub it's yeah. a hub of culture it's a hub of tech uh lots of our people want to get portuguese passports like they it's basically they built a nation brand my around sister tech. included yeah. your sister included but it's it's fascinating right and If you think about it, like Sir Martin Sorrell spoke at Davos, I think I've said this on the show before, and he said that the region is doing nation branding. And then they talk about, like, how do you do nation branding? You buy the World Cup, you buy the Olympics, or you host the F1. But it's tech, right? Like I was in um, Tallinn during the uh, pandemic in Estonia. Really? And 
that's uh, that you know if you look at the statistics of number of starters per capita in the world they're they're up there if not number one right is they're not not number one and it, it's a strategic thing and you can see that there's no reason why Estonia should be right and even my home country Ireland Ireland has all the tech because uh, of twelve percent corporate tax, it's got huge offices in there for Facebook Meta. Like the billing yeah, yeah. of the Middle East ads comes as a Dublin address on Google, right? So I, I think, um, you know, I personally think that this is going to be great for Qatar. I think in five years' time, we're going to see something really interesting. And well done to everyone at Web Summit and the people like Qatar who had the initiative to do it as well. But also, like, I think people who, looking at the Levant region, like, why, why can't we have a Tallinn in? out of Iraq, Amman, Palestine, Lebanon, or sorry, Jordan, Palestine, Lebanon, or uh, Syria. Why can't we have a Tallinn like Damascus or Beirut? And I think we potentially can. I think the one to look out for is Amman, really, Mm. right? Because all the others are uh, unstable politically at the moment. So Amman, I think, is is the one that can really. uh, So it's great to have Queen Rania there. Maybe we can ask her that question if we get the chance. Yeah, let's get our flight. All right, see you in Qatar, everyone. Bye. Welcome to Smashy Business. Uh, we've got Gorev Saberwal, founder and CEO of Walkboys, with us here in the studio. Welcome. And scaling regional homegrown businesses abroad. And uh, we're talking about Walkboys, and I'm just, because I really love your uh, your food. So, yeah, gosh, okay. Thank I, you. I know what we I'm look ordering forward after to, this. to <laughs> getting you to enjoy some Walkboys after this. Um, it's beautiful to see regional homegrown businesses scale and expand mm-hmm. um, abroad. Mm-hmm. And you've already got several franchises. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got it in Toronto, Ghana, Oman, and already a couple here in the UAE. Yes, five. Um, five in the UAE. Yes. Um, but it is a homegrown uh, concept. Yes. Um, were you planning on moving into the franchise business? Uh, Always, was that the plan? The plan was to create Walkboys into an international brand. Mm-hmm. Uh, going down the franchising route was one of the options, and after exploring, you know, different strategies on how we can expand franchising, ended up being one of the one of the options that we went forward with. And and I can today say proudly that yes, it was the best option that mm-hmm. we've taken up. Uh, it it it's brought immense uh, scale in the business, and it's and it's been great for the brand. Uh, I don't come from the F&B industry, so seven years of doing walkways, you know, I came from the corporate world. And um, so we've learned this has been a fantastic learning journey as well. And and through scale, we learned what were the best options to, to scale this brand and take it places. It's really interesting that you have a corporate background and you're succeeding with Walkboys. Uh, you know, you seem very focused in, in, in that mindset of, of scaling and, and it has been very successful. Um, it's important to have that corporate experience, and I know I, I've spoken about it a couple of times. But you know, I interviewed the the founder, the co-founder of House of Pops, mm-hmm. and you know, we were just highlighting really how much of a difference it makes to have that corporate background. Absolutely, and and all credit to him as well. He's created a fantastic brand. Uh, you know, I think I think uh, having decent and good corporate experience uh, gives you. The grassroots understanding of any business that you're getting into, right? It it allows you to be disciplined in the structures that you're going to bring in, uh, where you do not look at a, uh, at a in, in our business you don't look at it as a restaurant, but you see it as a brand. You see it as an as an opportunity that can grow, 
so we've we've had to ever since our inception we've had to make early stage investments into the business that typically a restaurant may not do so because for 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 many out there and successfully so they run the business as a restaurant right right um, my envision for for the uh, for the restaurant was to create it create it as a brand mm-hmm. and, and be able to take it out. Mm-hmm. That's a great point because a lot of people say that McDonald's is not an F and B brand. McDonald's is a franchise of business. Of course, it is. Um, a lot of the F and B companies here fail and mm-hmm. shut down rather quickly. We know this. The mm-hmm. retention uh, rate is not mm-hmm. that high. Sometimes mm-hmm. they last for a maximum of three months right uh, we see groups like you know uh, like forefront for mm-hmm. example some people argue that they scaled uh, too quickly and unnecessarily in, in Abu Dhabi mm-hmm. where you don't have that same uh, lifestyle buzz and and, uh, and bustle of mm-hmm. nightlife mm-hmm. I would say right mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. with licensed yes, um, concepts um, what are the challenges for you we've not been short of challenges on our front either uh, you know uh, from a from, uh, you know 2017 when we launched the business delivery business was just taking off in the UAE so Matu and Talabat were just making headways at the time uh, I guess we were lucky because we didn't know better we adopted to the delivery business instantly we were already a QSR brand and we knew delivery should be a big part of our business we just didn't realize how big mm. uh, delivery is going to end up being a significant part of your business right uh, so uh, when you start adopting to the trends, the way the industry is moving, it brings its own sets of operational challenges. You need to be agile. You need to be able to adapt to these things. The investments that go into these uh, uh, into these changes, right? And 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 we've we've not shied away from those those challenges. We've been able to take them on and and move forward with it. Having said that, every day is a challenge. There's, there's something or the other that you realize, you know, you've missed the buck on or can be better. And, uh, and uh, so you need a discipline, right? Um, aggregators, Talabats, Kareem, Noon, um, they're all huge part of the industry today. We've got an in-house aggregator team today managing mm-hmm. that relation because delivery is a significant part of the business. Uh, cloud kitchens, when yeah. COVID-19 was, was unfortunate for the world, uh, for our industry, like you rightfully said, a lot of businesses unfortunately could not last, right? Uh, pre- how, how do cloud kitchens, sorry, sorry mm-hmm, to interrupt mm-hmm. you, but you took the words out of my mouth because I wanted sure. to ask you about that. How big of a role do they play in your business? Do they play a role in the business? They have played a significant role in our business. Um, you know, pre-COVID, we were, we were in discussions for international franchising for some of the markets that we've now ventured into. Uh, but obviously, the pandemic delayed those plans, right? So few months into COVID when I realized, you know, international expansion needs to take a back bench, uh, I took the decision to let's scale locally through the cloud kitchen model, right? So if we can't internationally expand, let's expand locally. So we went from a couple of stores to across six cloud kitchens in the country, and we were now available everywhere to everybody, and accessibility just increased. Customers were loving the fact that they had access to our food. They showed us a lot of love. Uh, the last cloud kitchen that we we onboarded was at Expo City, which was phenomenal. Uh, 
always cribbed about the fact that it, uh, you know, Expo was short-lived. I wish, you know, yeah, uh, exactly. it still lasted because it's fantastic for business as well. Yeah. Uh, so yes, Cloud Kitchens played a, a significant part. They still do. Uh, but now that we, every time that we are onboarding a new brick and mortar store, every time mm -hmm. we open up a new store, if we've got a cloud operation in that area, we move that business to, to the outlets. Mm -hmm. How difficult was it for you to make that decision to go for the, the franchising business because a lot of people say, you know, this is my baby, mm. uh, you know, um, I need to really be on top of things. Some people are micromanagers. Mm -hmm. um, and unfortunately, a lot of businesses do fail when they franchise. Mm -hmm. uh, You're right. right. You're um, right. I can think of a, of a couple uh, off the top of my head, you know, even when it comes to Gordon Ramsay, when mm -hmm. he opens a restaurant here, mm -hmm. it's not as good as when Gordon Ramsay cooks. Mm -hmm. It's not the mm -hmm. same. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, he has had restaurants shut down already yes. uh, here in the UAE. Yes. So how is it for you? And how is it going, maintaining that same level of quality? So uh, it's franchising is challenging. Okay, There's nothing easy about it. Uh, but having realized early in that franchising was the route that we were taking forward. Um, I ensured that we brought the right talent in-house to turn our business into a franchisable model. It was a business that we knew how to operate, but we needed to now turn it into a plug-and-play model mm -hmm. that people could adapt to, right? right. Uh, so, we, so we brought those skill sets in early stage into our business. Uh, it took a couple of years of, of you know, streamlining our processes, our practices, uh, but we've been, we've been able to do so. And today, for any investor, when they come in and, and they take on the franchise brand for Walkboys, it's, it's, it's literally a plug-and-play model, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But it's the food business. You still have to be actively involved. Yeah. Uh, it's not. It can. It can never be a passive investment, right? Um, such as real estate, as an example. Yeah, of it's, course. It's a running business, and it's a it's a critical business, right? So it's a reason it's why a lot of people don't go into F and B because yes. you really have to be micromanaging yes. almost everything, yes. right? Yes, absolutely. But um, end users. So I think. I think. Brands like Walkboys and several homegrown brands in the UAE today have opened up the end-user franchising mo uh, opportunities in the market, which in until now pretty much did not exist, right? Uh, all the international brands have been brought in by the large group companies in the countries, right? And that's the way the economy has been settled in terms of the F&B industry. Uh, but I think I think uh, a new wave of brands are now erupting and, and disrupting the right. model, right? Where yeah. we've opened up end user franchising, so Lubna can come to us and say, uh, "I love your brand. Can I can I open up one of Walkboy's stores?" And absolutely. Right? And how how has that been going for you? You said you already have a couple of end users. Yes, we've got we've got uh, four or five end user franchises locally already. Uh, and we've got more that have signed up, and we're we're in the midst of trying to secure locations uh, for them. So it's been it's been fantastic, and and it's and it's great to see that when end user franchising comes in, uh, end users bring in that passion with them, right? They've made these investments, and they want to see it succeed, right? So they stand shoulder to shoulder with you on operational efficiency, on consistency, on you know your, the way your brand should be represented. So it's been it's been fantastic. The experience with end user franchising is brilliant because they bring that passion with them. You know, it's it's and and not to say that corporate investments aren't welcome. It's just the fact that uh, end user franchising brings a degree of emotion Absolutely. with it in the business, which is which is positive. Absolutely, I'm surprised to see that Saudi is not there on the list of your locations. Um, is there a reason for that? Are are you planning on expanding there or or? 
franchising there? Thank you for asking the question and to all your listeners, you know, feel free to get in touch with us for Saudi. <laughs> but but uh, jokes aside, Saudi is such an important market and we definitely want to be in Saudi. Um, uh, openly speaking, uh, we've had quite a significant expansion in the last year and a half. And we've been we've been focused on ensuring that is laid out rightfully, mm-hmm. right? Uh, we're now 2024 strategy is GCC, 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 right? We want to consolidate the growth that we've taken on. We want to focus on the markets that we've already got into, ensuring that the growth in these markets are are rightfully done. Uh, proactively, the only outs uh, the only region outside of the markets that we've actually already accomplished. Uh, I think the focus is going to be on GCC. Uh, is there a f- sorry go on now and I was just saying Canada is was probably one of the biggest markets that we've got into and uh, so growth in Canada and and in GCC are the two 2024 great. Uh, areas of focus for great. us great uh, is there a fear of uh, we might grow too quickly absolutely um, and I've, I've you know I've uh, I try and find the best way to answer this question Uh, because it, there's no right way to suggest the fact that we've not seen exponential growth fairly, fairly quickly, uh, but we've been we've been gearing ourselves for it. Okay, we've we've invested in the teams early in our stage to be prepared for this growth, right? So when 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 you were when when any restaurant has a couple of restaurants, they don't end up hiring operations and aggregators and marketers in, internally and and area managers, etc. We were building the foundations right from an early stage. Um, the good thing is, and I and I and I uh, I'm happy about the fact that we're able to do this. We've been investing on this internal growth. Mm. People that joined us in the early stages of career are today leading us in these markets. Our team, our teams are moving with the brand. So people have gone to Ghana. People have gone to Canada with the brand. People have gone to Oman with the brand. They're moving to the end user franchising with the brand. So um, we're investing into this, right? And and today uh, our team. Is 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 reaping the benefits. They're not just professionally advancing, but in terms of their skill sets and experience, there's there's such an advancement on that. How much do you personalize, or how much is the offering personalized to uh, specific markets, or or you know, does it work as it is there already? Fantastic question. We personalize. Uh, uh, we ensure that the core offerings of Walkboy is always remain true. To the brand. Right. Outside of that, we ensure there's personalization. Localization to any country that you go in is is extremely critical. Uh, a, a, a good example: we went into Ghana, and uh, one of their favorite sauces is is a sauce called shito, which is a which is a very spicy sauce. And I couldn't see the blend of shito into an Asian cuisine, right? Until I realized that shito needs to be. Everywhere, right? It, it's 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 an Italian concepts out there. It's in Japanese concept. Everyone was using it, so we we had our chefs do an R and D on the shito sauce, and we developed a coconut milk based shito spicy sauce, and we brought that fusion in, and to, and we called it the the Great Wall of Shito, you know, <laughs> and we and we took it to and we took Very it to cool. Ghana, and that's probably one of our highest uh, selling sauces in in Ghana. So yes, there's a significant degree of localization in each Amazing. market you go to. 
Amazing. Speaking of sales, mm -hmm. <laughs> how is the business doing? How is the performance? God bless. It's It's been fantastic. It's been a great journey. Uh, uh, we don't shy away from the fact that there's a lot of competition in the market. Dubai is just a huge volcano of opportunity for everyone, which only means that every day new and new brands come in. Everyone's testing the waters. Uh, homegrown, homegrown brands are, are, are evolving constantly right now. So uh, we just need to stay on top of the curve and, and, and God bless, we've been, we've been in a good and fortunate position thus far. So you don't want to share any numbers, I'm, yeah, I'm getting we, that we, vibe. We keep, we, we, we keep that under the wraps. <laughs> okay, that's fine. Honestly, it's been a, a, a very fascinating conversation. I mean, the world of F&B is extremely fascinating, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, is there anything else you'd like to add before we go where... Uh, running short on time, although I would love to speak to you. <laughs> you know, I could talk thank about this for Thank you for having for us, in, and and uh, thank you to the UAE. Uh, we we pride on the fact that we're a UAE homegrown brand that today is being able to take the brand to international markets and and flag, uh, you know, fly the flag high for for the UAE as well. So thank you for absolutely. having me. Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you. you. Pleasure, <laughs> guys. You know where to watch us uh, stream uh, the show on Smashy. Uh, smashy.tv and uh, and or listen to us wherever you get your podcasts uh, and Rami Spotify or Apple thank you and we'll see you tomorrow